Hello, and welcome to Have You Heard, a listening project. On this podcast, we're going to share tips, stories, and practical advice to help people with hearing loss stay connected. If you or a loved one have a hearing loss, or you work with those who have hearing loss, this podcast is for you, and we're excited to have you join us. I'm Jamie. I'm one of your hosts, and today I'm joined also by Allie. Hi. Hi, Al. (laughs) Hey there. We're both hearing health advocates. And Allie is based in Los Angeles, and I am based on the East Coast. Ooh, I hear it's pretty cold on the East Coast right now. Are you hanging in there? Hanging in. Blizzard time. (laughs) Well, today we're going to be talking about how to prepare for medical appointments or hospital stays during the pandemic, but also beyond. And we're also going to share some extra tips for people with hearing loss. However, I do want to tell you that most of this information will apply really to anyone. Coincidentally, both Jamie and I were recently hospitalized, and it was for two totally different reasons. So I just gave birth to my second baby, and Jamie, unfortunately, was hospitalized with COVID. How crazy. Yeah. So we're going to share some firsthand experiences with you guys, too. And first of all, Jamie, I'm so glad that you're doing so much better now and that you're healthy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It is good to be home from the hospital. Yeah. Was it really scary? I mean, can you give us a little bit of input what it was like just in general? Yes. I mean, I feel like you went in for the celebration of life and I went in almost for the loss of life, not even trying to be funny, but you know, it's a crowded place. People are sick with something we've never seen and you don't know how long you're going to be there. And you're hoping that whatever they treat you with will work. So it was you know, I'll get into the details later, but it was unlike any other time I've ever been to a hospital. Well, I just want to say thank you for sharing your experience with us because number one, I think a lot of people really want to know if they don't already know somebody who has been sick with COVID, but let alone someone who's been hospitalized with COVID, um, just what it was like. So I'm really excited that you're going to share your experience with us. Okay, so we're going to go back and talk about a few different things specifically, but mostly I want to focus on right now, just what exactly do you expect when you go to a doctor's appointment, when you go to the hospital, any of that, but especially during COVID and the pandemic over the last year. So what was it like? How did we deal with it, et cetera? So I'm going to go ahead and just give you some of my experiences um, It was definitely. Just dive in, Al. Just tell us. (laughs) I'm happy to do that. It was definitely really different this time. Um, Beginning in May, when I first found out I was pregnant, because again, I went in for a pregnancy, I knew that I was going to be having a planned C section. So I knew that my hospital stay was going to be a lot longer than normal. Um, I had to have a planned C section for just complication reasons. And That for me meant that I was going to be staying in the hospital for at least three nights, four days. And that was really scary because in May, when I knew this, I was like, God, is this, I don't know, is it the right time to get pregnant as if there is really one? But nobody really knew much about COVID at the time. Um, Hospitals were full or getting full. And it was just really scary to think about, will I pick it up if I, will I pick up COVID? I mean, honestly, if I stay in the hospital, things like that. And like when you went to the doctor too, even just in the beginning of your pregnancy, like what weren't those visits at the office so different than, you know, visits you had before COVID oh, totally. taking your temperature and all that? Totally. So beginning with the doctor's appointments, things were completely different. First of all, probably the biggest thing was that I could not bring anyone to my appointments at the doctor with me, which was really hard and really sad. So that means 
my husband or, you know, whomever your partner is, nobody could bring their partner to the hospital visits. And that means that they can't see the ultrasound, which is one of the most exciting parts of being pregnant. It kind of keeps you, you know, monthly you go to see, um, you know, either how the heartbeat is or the ultrasound. And that's one of the most fun parts about being pregnant, because as you become really uncomfortable and you grow and you gain weight, just looking forward to those monthly appointments literally gets you through <laughs> the hard times. So without having a partner there, um, you know, it's a little bit scary to say the least. Um, I will say, thankfully, because this was my second baby, we had already been through this once and we always try to find the silver lining. But that way, you know, Jacob, my husband, he knew what it was. And so at least we'd had that experience the first time. But we tried to make up for it by FaceTiming uh, from the ultrasound room, things like that. But that was one of the biggest things really that we had to deal with. And then moving forward from there, we were constantly wondering if he was going to be able to be in the delivery room with me because we kept hearing things change. There were a lot of times that people said, no partners allowed, no spouses. And mm. I was like, that is not going to happen. I can't That's do crazy. That. That no, is, I know. You don't have no support. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm with a team of doctors. And I don't know anyone. Right. Hi. Right. And, oh. and remember, mind you, everyone is scared. You know, the doctors are scared. Yeah. The nurses are scared. So I understand why they say that. But at the same time, you know, giving birth for me, it's not the easiest thing. And especially when you have to have surgery, which is, you know, the I'm not C-section. sure it's the easiest thing for anyone else either. I'll just point that <laughs> hey, out. But some people say it is. No, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So then uh, it was just very uh, coordinated. So I say that meaning when you show up to the doctor's appointments, the first thing you have to do is get your temperature checked. So they give you well, the first s- thing I had to do, did you? I had to call from the car. I yeah. wasn't even allowed to go in. Oh, first, yeah. I had to call and tell them I'm here. And <laughs> then they would tell me when I could exit my vehicle to come into the building. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. have to deal with that in Los Angeles. However, I also want to point out, I think the difference between, um, you know, I am healthy <laughs> as far as I knew. I'm healthy. No, but truly. So if you're considered quote unquote, healthy, and you're going to a doctor's appointment, um, they would allow you in. But I do know a lot of my friends that either had COVID here or were sick, they are not allowed to come in. So you're right, Jamie, it was the same experience as what you had. Um, They had to call from the car or have their entire appointment in the car. So that's a really good. But I will say too here, even when I was healthy, and I knew I wasn't sick, you know, my wife and I both had the same experience at the dental office, but you're going for your teeth cleaning. And they were like, you cannot come in. You call from the car and we will let you know when to enter. And I think I appreciated that in hindsight, but you know, the first time you experience that, it's crazy. Yeah. I you know. know, that's for me what really made it real. It's like, wow, we really are living in a different world. It's unbelievable. Things change so fast. So fast. Okay. So then I want to say once you went in and got your temperature checked, they gave you a little sticker. So I almost felt like I was a little kid. <laughs> I mean, it was like, here's your sticker. You're good to go. Uh, there were many times, actually, I think that um, I would record a podcast this, you know, with you guys the same day as I went to the doctor and I had my little sticker on and one of you guys would be like, nice sticker. So it was just really funny. Um, once you got your temperature checked, you then had to file sing, uh, file down the hallway and like a single file, mind you, again, feeling very much like a kindergarten type of coordination, but 
down the hallway to use the restroom. And again, social distancing, everybody is constantly six feet apart. So does that mean somebody had to like walk you down to the bathroom or you just had to make sure that you were spaced, you know, appropriately from other patients or both? Great question. Um, They allowed us to walk ourselves down the hallway. However, someone was waiting for you at the end of the hallway. It was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing was nobody knew what they were doing and nobody really does know what they're doing. <laughs> That's so why I'm laughing. Wait, so like, I think, and people were looking around, like, am I, are you too close to me? Am I too close to you? Uh, can I touch the door handle of the bathroom? I mean, everything was just so unknown. And especially in May, I mean, honestly, especially the whole year, but um, it just was a very, a very different uh, scenario. Oh, and mind you, of course, we had to be masked up. So everybody had to wear a mask. And yeah. I'll mention one thing too. It's the one of the last appointments I was at. Now, uh, Los Angeles had really, really high numbers for a very long time, especially recently, but people started double masking. And mm-hmm. I never did. <laughs> but I was always really nervous because everyone around me was. And so I asked my doctor, I was like, is this something I should do? And so you see the things that other people are doing. And I just say that as an example, because nobody knew what the right thing to do was. And it was just, you know. I think we still don't, you know. And I think I can imagine, too, for someone who's pregnant, I know at least when when my wife was, like, you are getting bigger and it is already hard to breathe. So then you're, you know, for some people, wearing a double mask is really not a possibility. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that you brought that up, actually, because one of the issues I had was breathing with a mask on. So Uh, there were many times where I'd sit in the waiting room, again, six feet at least apart, and then people giving you looks if you get a little too close, um, which is understandable. But I had such a tough time breathing. And as I look around me, all the other mothers-to-be were were all sitting there pulling our mask going, (gasps) (gasps) like trying hard because it was just just hard to breathe in general. So yeah, that that definitely was another, another big change. Yeah. Well, that's one thing we have in common. So for me, I I mean... Yes, please cut in, Jamie. Go ahead. I'm going to cut in just because now my thoughts are going. Um, Well, hopefully people who are listening, maybe you've been to an emergency room before. You know, you don't feel well and you go in and before COVID, it's, you know, you fill out some paperwork if it's not something life-threatening and then you're seen. And my doctor was the one who sent me to the emergency room and called ahead and said that I was coming. And my wife pulls up and is like dropping me off. We have a child and she can't come in. Mm. But even if I wanted her to come in, she wouldn't have been allowed to. And you pull up to the emergency department and it looks like a scene out of Outbreak, (laughs) that movie. Yes. (laughs) People are, you know, and and again, I know COVID's serious. I don't mean to laugh at the the seriousness of it, but it is shocking, you know, for for me it was. And so people are gowned head to toe. There's several of them and there's nobody I can see that's in what I would call just plain clothes like I am. Right. And I get out of the car and they stop me at my car and they're like, you're not allowed to enter. That's so freaky. Also, I can't breathe and I'm being sent there for COVID. So also I have a mask on and I'm trying to communicate that my doctor has called ahead of time and it's for COVID and like I am positive for COVID. So you're appropriately dressed and step back, you know, but to communicate all of that is a lot in 30 seconds when you're pulling up to emergency room. So um, I get to the emergency room and listen, I, I have all the respect in the world for everybody who has to work during all of this and to treat people. It's, it's unnerving and it's a terrible time, but I am just to prep people. It's like, I'm just going to share from my side, you know, as we talk about this, 
to walk in and feel like you're the thing people need to avoid is frightening because I need medical treatment, but I feel so awful that at the same time, I can understand why people don't want to be near me. You don't want to get this. I'm so So, glad you said that, Jamie. No, just because I think that's the, one of the elephants in the room is that people, um, I don't know if you had a guilt factor. I know my friends that had it, some of them felt guilty for having it. They're embarrassed of the shame factor. And it's so sad because it's not your fault at all. So I just, yeah. Well, thank you. I didn't feel guilt. I mean, I know for me, I did everything I could not to get it and it just happened. So luckily I don't feel guilty because we weren't seeing anybody. I didn't spread it to anybody. I wasn't someone who wasn't taking this seriously. No, we you have were always compl- been. Yeah, you were completely probably the safest person I knew. Yeah, that's correct. Before this pandemic, I was a germaphobe. After the pandemic, I am on a chart that can't even be recorded. <laughs> anyway, so back to the ER. So just checking in, getting into a hospital. I have been to the hospital before. That visit was nothing like this one. And the hospital is so busy and so overpacked that there are people on beds in the hallways. And at the same time, the hospital is trying to keep people distanced. So it's a very bizarre thing to 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 be a part of because yeah. you're hoping that they have a bed for you. I yeah. ended up needing to be admitted. And then I needed to be put on oxygen. And every time a medical person had to come in, whether it was the nurse or someone to draw my blood or the actual ER doctor they are dressing in the personal protection equipment and they have to take it off after they leave my room. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you. So you, so I felt bad anytime I needed something. I had a call button. As a patient, I'm trying to be so mindful of like, okay, if I think I need water or I think I need a towel or I think I need a blanket or I think I need medication, I'm trying to be thoughtful, making sure, okay, I'm only going to push that call button once and ask for all of these things at the same time because watching these people having to change in and out of all this gear and they're having to do it for every single room because even if people test negative for COVID and they're there for another reason, you just don't know for sure. So Wait, they're so you're safer. telling me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're telling me then let's say they have to dress in their PPE, their special PPE to come in to see you to get whatever you need. And each time they leave, they take that off to then put yes. it on again if they have to come back in again or a new set. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's what they did in the emergency room. It was a little different once I got admitted and I was on a different floor, but for the emergency room, yeah, every single person. Um, So, yeah, so then I get admitted to a hospital room and then the really crazy thing is, is as crowded as the hospital is, it also feels empty because at the same time, there's nobody in these waiting rooms that still have chairs. They are completely empty. There's signs everywhere that guests aren't allowed. And so... It's eerie. And then once I'm in my room, I'm literally not allowed to open my door at all. My door to my room must stay closed. I can't go for a walk down the hall. I can't go find a restroom on the floor. I haven't had my own restroom, but as hospital patients, they want you to try to get up and walk. Right. Yes. I can only walk around my tiny hospital room. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm lucky that I had my own room and my own bathroom, but you know, it felt a little bit like what I think an insane asylum would feel like, you know, like claustrophobic, yeah, claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. Not allowed to open the door, not allowed to do anything. Hey, Jamie, Um, will you tell me, because I'm interested to know what was the check-in process like for you when you checked into the hospital? So after I walked past the outbreak people, I came in contact with 
another group of outbreak people. That's what I would call them, you know, dress head to toe in all the equipment. Yeah. And those were the people who take your insurance and whatever. And they asked me to put gloves on before I handed over my ID and my insurance card. So, and rightfully, I mean, they're also backing away from me. Like, you know, I'm showing Allie, but for those of you that can't see, it's like, you know, someone who's too close to you and you're going, whoa, back up. Yeah. They're doing that motion while at the same time trying to hand me a clipboard to fill out my information. So, um, you know, that part was semi-normal. They need your ID and your, your, um, insurance card. But then after that, they want to be as far away as possible. And I sat alone in an empty, you know, like you get your own bay in the emergency room. Like I was in one that had, again, my room was also like outbreak actually in the ER. It had a special circulation system. I can't remember the name of it, but like I had automatic sliding glass doors. So like it was sealed. Wow. There wasn't like, you know, like someone's in the ER, there's like, oh, here's a curtain. And if you just roll the curtain back, you see the person next to you and you can chat with them and say, oh, what are you in for? Nope. I was in like a room with glass doors. They were automatic and they sealed each time with a special ventilation system. That sounds frightening. Like that would frighten me a little bit. Um, Did they ask you for a medical proxy or a medical plan in case something happened or? Yes. So after you get checked in and they verify that you're very sick, um, I'm literally like, I can't breathe very well. I'm sweating. And again, you remember, like I have nobody with me, so it's scary. And they come in and I'm thinking the first thing I'll tell the ER doctor is they're going to ask me, you know, like, what are your symptoms? How long have you felt this way? And the first, the first question I get is, do you have a living will? And I'm like, what? Yeah. And they're like, and do you have a healthcare proxy? And that is truly what scared me. You know, like I've never been asked that yeah, before. That's frightening. Right. And so for people who don't know, uh, so a living will is a document that tells other people what your personal choices are about end of life treatment in case you get there. And it also spells out treatments that you would and would not want used on you to keep you alive. Which I'm sure made you that much more frightened when you were in there. That's correct. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, wow, they they probably only ask people who they think could die, you know, these kinds of questions. So, and then the other one is um, a healthcare proxy is someone who you designate to make medical decisions for you in the case that you can't. Um, So very quickly, I had to fill out that paperwork. And I recommend for other people in this COVID era, it's a good thing, I think, just to have in general, you know, just in case something unplanned happens. But yeah, those were the first two things that I was asked by the ER doctor before anything else. Wow. Um, If I can jump in just because I'm going to relate. So they also asked me, of course, because I was having surgery uh, for a healthcare directive or plan. And, you know, just those words make you feel like, oh, what if something happened? I mean, you just feel nervous, scared beyond what you already were feeling. Um, but I can relate sort of not the same. Some of the differences that I found when I actually went to my hospital when I was ready for the surgery that the morning of, um, so we had to be temperature checked, fully masked up, both my husband and I, we were both allowed in. However, um, a key difference is that we had to be COVID tested two days prior to the surgery. So Mm. that was really crazy because they have COVID testing all around Los Angeles. And I have actually had a few COVID tests throughout the months, but this one that I went to specifically was at the hospital. 
And just like you said, it was very much like the movie Outbreak. This particular um, one, everyone was dressed to the nine in their PPE. Um, it was just scary. There were big, huge tubes that held the tests, which was cool. I was trying to be like, oh, this is cool. You know, trying to make myself feel better. But they, um, the, the nasal one, for anyone who has been COVID tested with the nasal one, it goes way up there. And it sure does. They tickled my brain with that one. <laughs> That's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. Um, another thing with the C-section and some surgeries, they wipe you down. The nurses always wipe you down with these special cloths before you go into surgery. So this time around, actually, we had to do it ourselves. And I remember thinking, like, what if I don't do it right? Like, what if I... <laughs> That Seriously, like thought. I don't know, like what if I didn't wipe something down right? I, I don't and you're know. Disinfecting, right? Like it's like you're disinfecting your body, kind of wipe, not like a, you know, I sweat a little and I'm patting myself. To this day, I'm gonna admit I don't even know what that. I mean, yes, I'm imagining <laughs> that's what it was for, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I just was like in such a shock, and it was, yeah, it was just yes. So, mm. um, just having to wipe myself down was kind of weird and scary, and I had my husband help wipe me down as well, but. Um, that was one of the biggest differences to remind me between 2018 and, tw- and 2020. Um, but another thing that I really noticed too, that you mentioned was kind of the barrenness. So obviously no guests yeah. were allowed. So all the waiting rooms were empty. The lights well, were kind of I, I imagine, especially in like the maternity ward where right. it's like, usually you right. have these families and the balloons yeah. and the noise, and then it's just quiet halls. And I kept thinking to myself, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be like a little vacation stay for myself. In fact, I think I even told you that, Jamie. I was like, I think you did. (laughs) Yeah. And it was not at all. It was so lonely and it was Mm. so um, just different. It was a different feeling overall. So the nurses that would come in, they were the only people I could really talk to. (laughs) So I made friends with them. And I was you just make asking friends them, with everybody. <laughs> what are you going to do when you're there for three days and nobody else is there? That's all you can um, do. Yeah. But I, I wanted to know what it was like for them because they were actually transferred into the COVID unit in addition to being part of the maternity unit, which I thought was really mm. interesting. And I've heard that a lot of hospitals do that um, because they were, you know, they needed nursing. They needed nurses. They didn't have enough nurses to go around. So every day they would show up to work. And they would basically be told that day, you're going to this ward, you're going to this ward, you're going to the COVID unit. And so they felt a level of fear that they said they couldn't even express. And I'm sure, I mean, it must have been horrifying sometimes thinking, you know, what am I going to be doing today? Where am I going? Um, And there was kind of a sadness. Now, remember, this is in January. So this is kind of, you know, it has been a long, what, eight, nine months of dealing with this. it just, there was a sadness. They'd seen so much death. Um, I remember one nurse came in and told me that she was dealing with a mom who had just had a baby and the mom was very, very sick with COVID. And I'll never forget the way she told me. She was like, this mom is so sick and it just breaks my heart. That's what she said Mm. to me. And I just felt like, God, I can't complain. I'm sitting here healthy, you know, but so that was mm. that was interesting. Um, the rotation of nurses was just really crazy. But and then not having not having, you know, any guests there was strange. But like you mentioned, the walking around, they really always encourage you, especially after a C-section to walk around. Well, right. This time around, they did encourage that, but they really encouraged walking around your own room, just like you said. And you could take a walk in the halls, but you almost had to schedule it with whomever else was out there at the same time. Whereas before there was somewhat of camaraderie, like in 2018 with my first baby, you'd be out there, you know, 
on your pain pills from the surgery, like, Hey guys, how you doing? You know, it was a real friendly vibe this time. Um, you know, just not so much. So definitely, mm. definitely different, you know? Yeah. And you know, as, as I was in the hospital, I, I'm thinking about the clients that you and I and our team help. And I'm thinking, right. you know, I'm having a hard time hearing and understanding people, you know, yes. everybody's wearing masks. And in my case, they're wearing maybe even more PPE than they were for, you know, where you were. Right. And, and I'm thinking, you know what, if I had hearing loss, like, how would I be dealing with that? So, well, it's funny. I think you, it's, I'm sorry. I'm just going to point out something really quick, because as you know, Jamie, I, I actually do suffer with hearing loss. I have, um, a minimal level of hearing loss due to tinnitus, which many people know is a general ringing of the ears. So I'm so glad you brought that up because when I was there so many times when my nurses would come in or my doctor, I really could not understand them. And I had to say, I'm sorry, I can't hear you numerous times because the mask just completely covered everything they were saying. And I'm wearing a mask as well. So, um, and there's no was, lip reading, right? right? That was so yeah. difficult. And I will say that the the people that worked with me were so kind about it, and they remembered, and they would tell the next nurse coming in, right? So, James, since we are hearing health advocates and we are in this industry, what would you suggest as helpful hints for people that are going into hospitals, um, just how to prepare and how to really advocate for themselves? Yeah. So the first thing I would recommend for people is in case you don't know, hospitals and medical institutions and facilities, they have equipment that can help people and that they're supposed to provide and they're actually not allowed to ask you to pay for them. And it's things like assisted listening devices, amplified phones, caption telephones, dry erase board, um, if you've got a hearing aid that works with a hearing loop, they have hearing loops, even, you know, pen and paper. If you're someone who doesn't speak and you want to be able to write down your questions and you want someone to write, you know, back with a pen, you can ask for that. And there's also interpreting services. So I think not enough people know that you can ask for these things and you won't be charged for them. And that's not just in COVID. That's in everyday life. That's a great point. And if I could just add, this is simple, but if you come prepared, um, I know that I was asked to have a list of my medications that I was either on or that I might be allergic to, even though your doctor should already have that information, it's really good to have that information prepared with you in a folder, just in case you're dealing with a nurse. Um, I have an example, actually. I know that I specifically was given one medication the last time I had a C-section, and I knew I did not react well to it. And this time I didn't want to have that medication given to me. And thank goodness I did reiterate and tell my nurse because somehow the communication just didn't happen. So mm. just having all of those things prepared in a folder, um, medications, your healthcare directive, um, you know, even a paper that says I have hearing loss that you can show someone things like that, just be prepared before you go into the hospital. Yes. And I would say, especially during COVID, now that I've lived through it, you may have trouble if you're someone who can talk, you may be so sick that you can't. So, so Allie's spot on, you know, bring the button that says you're deaf or hard of hearing, bring other tools, because in the case that you can't speak or you don't, you've got something really easy and visual and identifiable for lots of different doctors and nurses and people who will be coming in and out to see you. It also saves your energy. And then I would also add 
pack a to-go bag. If there's anything I've learned from this, have a to-go bag. Just have it ready because this is an unprecedented time. And I had no idea I was going to a hospital. I wish I had a bag ready. And in that bag, I would include the folder Allie talked about, have a living will ready, have a healthcare proxy. These are documents you guys can easily Google, by the way. Go on the internet. There's, There's free forms. You can also check out our website for them. But have those ready. And also things you think you wouldn't pack for a hospital visit, but I would say pack water and snacks for yourself. It's not that the hospital doesn't have them. It's that that they're so overwhelmed and so busy that when you need those things, sometimes it just takes a lot longer for them to be brought to you since you can't just go to a vending machine and get them yourself. And also bring clothing and bring your own underwear if that's for you. That's for me. And Again, I didn't know how long I was going to be there, and it was awkward to have to call the nurse so many times to ask for, you know, new hospital-provided gowns. You get sick of wearing those, and also, in case people haven't been in a hospital before, sometimes it's really hard to regulate the temperature in your own room. So in my, in my, in my to-go bag that I now have ready for the future, I have, you know, a sweatshirt, but I also have a short sleeve shirt. You just, you want to be prepared because you don't know how long you're going to be there. And for me, my own clothes are the most comfortable. I'm just adding on to that. I actually brought a cozy blanket because I remembered this time about the temperature not being controlled, but it also kind of makes you feel a little bit more at home. If you can feel like that at all, it gives you that sense of comfort, whatever it is, when you are staying in the hospital and you are just wearing hospital gowns. So It's just a nice little added touch. But um, yeah, just remembering to really advocate for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you, especially if you don't have anybody there with you, like your partner. Yes. Oh, and I forgot too. So for folks who wear hearing aids, I would also bring a hearing aid um, case and an extra battery if you have one of those. And also a safety pin so that if you have to be taken for any procedures or they have you take them out, you can ask them to pin those to your bed or, you know, if you're having a test where you can have them pinned to your clothing, that way they don't get lost and they stay with you even if they're not in your ears. Excellent point, Jamie. Excellent. Jamie, this has been so fun. I feel like it's been so informative. I hope so. It um, it, it better be because, you know, for <laughs> people out there, we, we know too many people who, I don't know, don't take COVID seriously, or maybe they do, but they haven't been in a hospital. And I had some people in my own life, they don't realize that these are the different procedures you have to go through, even for a simple doctor's appointment. People don't think about that. It's very different. It's very different these days. So for further information on hearing health resources, please visit oeius.org. That's oeius.org and click on contact. And don't forget to join us next month for another informative episode of Have You Heard a Listening Project. We are going to be discussing then how to advocate for yourself or for others in the workplace. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, When hearing loss is an issue. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out. I'm Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. And I'm Allie. And we want to thank you again for joining us today on the Have You Heard podcast. And remember to stay safe and stay connected. Till next time, guys. Bye.
copyright 2021 by OEI. Guests of the podcast and resources mentioned are for the interest of our audience only. There are no marketing agreements or incentives involved.